0: This episode of the Astro Powder Podcast is brought to you by Gama. Gama's newest Optiflex Pro model, the CF unit, offers simple, reliable color change in 20 seconds. The Optiflex Pro CF unit is the perfect solution for lab use, powder quality testing, and coding of small quantities or small size samples. For more information, call 877-437-6771. Once again, that's 877 four three seven six seven seven one and be sure to mention Ask Joe sent me. When you want to know that everything is covered, complete it with GAMA. The views and opinions expressed by the Astro Powder Podcast may not necessarily reflect those of the ChemQuest group. Mm-hmm.
1: Hello, all you powder coating fans, and welcome to episode 34 of the Ask Joe Powder podcast. I'm your host, Joe Powder, aka Kevin Miller, and with me, as always, is my esteemed colleague, Sidekick, and now a proud owner of a gorgeous golden blazed green metallic Kawasaki. Ninja ZX14. Nathan. He's the formulator dude for ChemQuest powder coating research.
2: Gotta go fast. We're broadcasting from the CQPCR studios in Columbus, Ohio. The purpose of the Astro Powder podcast is to bring the latest news and technical know how to the global powder coating community. So let's get it rolling.
1: Okay. But before we do. I'd like to give a shout-out to Gary Goro. You might wonder who Gary Goro is, but Gary was my introduction to the powder-coating world. Uh, Way back in 1978, I was hired by the Glidden Paint Company, and he was my first supervisor and mentor. And as a matter of fact, I think I was the first person to report to him. He was... uh, fairly new in the group as well. Everybody that knew Gary uh, recognizes him as a very intelligent, witty, meticulous, and hardworking individual. I learned my fundamentals of formulating from him, including process technology and, and really interestingly, how to communicate in a corporate setting, something that they don't teach you too well, I think, in school. Um, I started my career out as a lab technician, however, uh, Gary gave me responsibilities beyond my job description, and and it really allowed me to grow and blossom as a formulator and contributor to the powder coating industry. Uh, Within a few years, Gary left the Glidden Research Center, and he embarked on a stellar career of well over 30 years in PPGs. Powder coating development group located in Strongsville, Ohio. He's retired now, but we still keep in touch. So, hats off to you, Gary. Thanks for helping me get my start in powder coatings and wish you the best. Okay, friends, it's time now for news in our Guess What segment. Guess what?
2: All right, here's one from Coatings World. Uh, Bic. Introduce a new post ad additive for matting powder coatings, Bic or Buc if you're, Buk. if you're in Europe or BYK if you just like reading letters. But it's just a new material they've come out with to adjust gloss, and it's a post ad which is interesting. It's not extruded into the formula; it's actually um, added to the powder afterwards, and you can adjust the gloss with that seems like the sort of thing that would be useful for you know adjusting production batches or even for end users that are trying to um make adjustments to the powder that they're spraying yeah
1: you know, it's interesting nate they, they 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 mentioned in their press release that um typically powder coating gloss reduction is implemented by using incompatibility of binders, and they go on further and say special hardeners are used. Uh, But however, some of these hardeners are subject to labeling, which really, I don't think that's an issue here in North America, but apparently there are things in Europe. And we're not talking about TGIC. I think there must be something new on the list.
2: That's an interesting um, concern because, yeah, we do know that this particular material is, it's inert. It's, uh, you know, just a dry powder that doesn't have any sort of toxicity issues, Mm -hmm. Um, and these guys are actually going to be showing it off at the Powder Coating Summit here in a couple of weeks, so anybody attending the lab demo there will have a chance to see how it looks.
1: Yeah, it's good stuff. We've looked at it in our laboratory, and it's, uh, yeah, definitely delivers uh, the goods and gloss reduction. Yeah,
2: and they're not even paying us to say that. All right, here's another item. Tiger Drylock launches six new p- super durable polyester colors.
1: Yeah, and we're not going to talk about that because that's really not news. <laughs> I know. it <laughs> a slow news week. You know,
2: sometimes we look at the press releases and the news for the week and – Sometimes it's just colors and super durable polyester.
1: And, you know, I think it's the August syndrome in Europe. I think everybody's uh, <laughs>
2: Everyone's on vacation.
1: Everybody's on holiday, and uh, they had to put something out there.
2: All right. Well, from the Europeans, the European Coatings Journal reports, double-layer powder coating to enhance corrosion protection. So this is a study that was published in Progress in Organic Coatings, volume 158 for September, 2021. They're talking about a novel epoxy resin modified PVC powder coating, which is used as a primer and a uh, pure PVC powder coating as a top coat, which can be applied for the corrosion protection of steel in marine environments by electrostatic spraying. So I guess what they're talking about here is a thermoplastic system. It's a two coat, you know, epoxy on the bottom, PVC on the top, or it's really one – it's a combination of epoxy and PVC. But you talk about a corrosion protection in a marine environment. That's kind of the real extreme end of the spectrum when we talk about corrosion protection.
1: Yeah, and, it, you know, if you look at this, Nate, this work was done in Qingdao, China. Um, and it was a collaboration between their College of Chemical Engineering and also uh, – looks like a government laboratory of marine environmental corrosion and biofouling, um, part of their Institute of Oceanology. What, What it looks like they're doing here is they are doing a blend of a thermoset epoxy with PVC as their primer. And what that does is it's going to give them good adhesion because of the epoxy component but it's going to give good intercoat adhesion because it's going to have some PVC mm-hmm. available for the pure PVC top coat. So it's an interesting twist. It's not super-duper science, but it is. Um, it's, a, it's a clever formulating trick, I would say. Awesome. Okay, my friends. It's now time for the question and answer
0: portion of our podcast. Do you have a question? Ask Joe Powder. Well, you can ask him. Ask Joe Powder. He has the answer. will advance your powder coating. the Ask Joe Powder
2: Podcast. All right. This question comes from Larry Griswold in Kennesaw, Georgia. He says, Dear Joe, I've been a formulator in the powder coating industry for over 25 years. When I started in the 1990s, there was so much fanfare about UV curable powder coatings. It seemed at the time this technology was the wave of the future. What happened to it? Is anyone using UV curable powder coatings? Your perspective will be greatly appreciated.
1: Hey, Larry. Um, thanks for your, your question. And yeah, hope things are going well in uh, in Georgia. Been a while since we've talked. Yeah, I think, Nate, this is a question where lots of stuff to talk about. I think what I'd like to do is, you know, kind of give you a description of, you know, what we mean by UV curable powder for our audience because it may be a... Kind of a, a foreign topic or technology to some of our listeners and 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 kind of just break it down so people understand that and then maybe we can talk about you know, what the advantages are and can can kind of add you know some of the places where it has been used commercially and uh, maybe not not anymore in some cases
2: and just a shout out to episode five that's an interview that we did with one of the guys over there at. Keelan Polymers, they're a UV cure powder maker and applicator out of the
1: Cleveland area. Yeah, yeah, they're they're one of the pioneers. Keelan Polymer and DVUV, their sister company. They were one of the first ones in the 1990s to embrace UV curable powder coatings for heat sensitive substrates. Um
2: well, and they're showing no signs of slowing down either, which that's what's interesting is you know, why hasn't everyone else caught on to the UV-cure powder?
1: Yeah, and, you know, just to, to kind of break it down for our audience, UV-curable powder coatings, basically, it's um, solid powder coating-type material, like you would expect, you know, in its in its delivered form. But the formulation and chemistry is basically resins and and. Curing materials in the binder that most commonly they're free radical cure, and that free radical chemistry is is uh, driven by uh, photo initiators, which are liberated and not liberated, but they're excited by intense UV light. Basically, the advantage here is, as opposed to a thermoset low-temperature cure powder coating where you run the risk of the stuff pre-reacting maybe during the extrusion process or perhaps in transport or storage. With UV cure, nothing reacts unless there's the UV light.
2: Well, yeah, and that's the cool thing about UV cure powder is that it's separating the melt flow stage from the curing stage, so yeah, you said with the thermoset, you put your dry powder onto a part, and then you have to heat it and hold it at a temperature for a period of time. Um, you know, it could be a couple minutes, could be an hour if it's a really heavy part. Um, with UV cure, it's you just want to flow the material and do that any way that you want. It could be convection, it could be infrared, it could be a heat gun mounted to a robot but as long as you flow out the powder and then the, you hit it with the right wavelengths of uv energy to match with the photo initiators and it cross links like almost instantaneously
1: yeah and you know you mentioned thermoset powder coatings during the melt flow phase and then this is this is uh, something that has to be managed and is difficult to manage um, with low temperature cure thermosets they're starting to react during that melt flow phase it's hard to kind of disengage that with uh, the, the, the film formation or the flow out properties. With UV cure you know you you can flow it and, and like you said no reaction, no viscosity build up or anything like that so um, yeah it gives you the opportunity to Process the coating, you know, and, and obviously you know, the substrate or the parts at extremely low temperatures. And I don't know, You've done a lot of formulating in this this field, Nate. How kind of temperature range would you say is you know kind of common for a UV curable powder?
2: Well, and then, again, it depends on what sort of what type of heating you're using. If it's um, infrared, it could be very high temperature, but you're only touching the outside of the part especially on flat parts you might heat up the coating but the the part underneath is going to be untouched by it so we're talking about the powder melts you know around 100 C maybe even lower which in a i mean therm, thermoset system is you know typically a low cure thermostat. it's going to be at least 125-130
1: yeah. Yeah, so, you know, the advantage of UV curable powder and this kind of gets us into, you know, where and why there would be applications that would be conducive to consider this type of technology low temperature heat well, I'd say heat sensitive substrates and and qualify that with plastics for instance, you've got uh, uh what's you know, when does what temperature does the plastic distort or deform, and that's measured in the laboratory as a heat deflection temperature, HDT. And it depends on the the polymer, depends on the molecular weight of the polymer. But this, by using or contemplating using UV curable powders, um, you can look at substrates that, you know, have heat stability, you know, as low as 100 10 or 120 C. So certainly opens up the world.
2: Or even lower cuz really we're talking about, you know, different types of plastics, but also composites, wood composites. Uh the, one of the most common commercial applications for UV cure powder is uh MDF, medium density fiberboard, which is you know, it's a wood powder it's held together with some sort of a binder.
1: Yeah, I think we can call it an engineered board, I guess. As some people refer it to uh, to
2: it. But, uh. but there are some cases where people have UV cured um, just wood. Mm-hmm. You think yeah, about
0: natural wood.
2: Natural wood, 100 C's when the water starts coming out, and that's when you start to have problems.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, we're talking about the plastics. We've done a a fair amount of work in our laboratory with injection-molded plastics, which, you know, think of some of them that are pretty common, like uh, uh, polycarbonate, alloys of polycarbonate and ABS. Uh, We've actually looked at some of the polyolefins, which make things a little tough with, you know, adhesion sometimes. Nothing sticks to them. Yeah, but... um, yeah. Now, the other thing I mentioned about UV cure powder, and this is true of any powder that you want to apply to a non-conductive substrate, like you know plastics, for instance. What we recommend, and what we've seen success with, is applying a conductive solution, not a conductive paint or primer, but a, a simple conductive solution to the surface of the plastic. You know, it can have a compliant solvent used to make the solution. And then uh, apply the powder electrostatically Mm -hmm. and get good film build. And then introduce it into the the heating process, which is going to cause the uh, film formation.
0: We'll come back to this question after these messages. Gamma powder coating systems offer you greater efficiencies while producing high-quality results. We provide the very best in powder delivery, application technology, and connectivity for smarter factory automation. With GEMA, you get maximum performance and repeatability whether you are on the shop floor or away from it. For a demonstration, call 877-437-6771. Once again, that's 877-437-6771. And be sure to mention, Ask Joe sent me. When you want to know that everything is covered... Complete it with GEMA.
2: The Powder Coating Research Group is a proud sponsor of the Ask Joe Powder podcast. PCR is the only independent laboratory dedicated to powder coating technology. We do everything from raw material evaluation, to formulating the next generation of coatings, new product development, testing, troubleshooting, training, and consulting. To find out more, visit our website, at Powdercoatingresearch.com, or you can email Kevin Biller at KevinBiller at Yahoo.com. Thanks for listening to the Astro Powder Podcast.
1: Okay, fans, we're back. And you know, if we want to talk about um, what types of chemistries are available and You know, as formulators, there are a few chemistries out there. It's not anywhere near as extensive as what is available for a thermal setting, but that may change with time. But methacrylated polyesters are are available of different kinds of viscosities and melt points that we can use. There's also some uh, methacrylated epoxies um, for maybe more indoor applications.
2: Right. There's... You know, generically speaking, there are polyesters, there are epoxies, there's um, some more urethane type.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Urethane oligomers.
2: Oligomeric materials. So, yeah, you can get kind of the range of interior, exterior. Durability. Uh, durability that you do with, with thermosets. Just the, a lot fewer options, a lot less flexibility in terms of the materials that are available.
1: Yeah. And we talk about our, our formulators toolkit and and I, I, I liken it to uh, with, with thermoset powder coatings, you got like a uh, a formula one pit kind of array of or collection of tools, you know, multiple drawers of all kinds of tools of all t- shapes and sizes. And with the formulators toolkit for a UV curable powder, you got one of those little handyman's uh, toolkits that they come in when they had to do, you know, Work on your plumbing. They've got you know, a pair of pliers and a pipe wrench and maybe a couple screwdrivers. So, and like I said, that may change with time because we're actually seeing a, a renewed interest in this, and um, people are starting to ask questions like, "Hey, could UV curable powders fit into our next generation of coating technology?" And if you know, you look back at what happened, you know, Larry, you you had mentioned. You know, they seemed to be a big thing in the 1990s, and indeed, it was a it was a big deal. People were really pushing them and saying it's going to really change the industry. The first applications, the first commercial applications for UV curable powder coatings, uh, I believe the first one was fully assembled electric motors. Mm-hmm. The company was Baldor. Um, their plant in it actually was in eastern Oklahoma not far from their headquarters in Fort Smith, Arkansas, they they converted over a, a lacquer lacquer spray paint line to a UV curable powder coating and uh one of the things that was pretty remarkable was the footprint of their finishing operation was extremely small. It would fit in this uh recording studio, Nate, hmm. which uh if you guys ever come by in Columbus, we'll show you our recording studio, but and basically with those electric motors, they they traversed the finishing line on a spindle on a chain and edge conveyor. Uh, the powder was applied with two fixed guns as the, the motors rotated in front of the guns. And then it was then transitioned into infrared, uh, which melted the coating, just like you had remarked, Nate. And then soon thereafter, while the coating was still quite warm was exposed to uv and the process was done the coating was finished and
2: that's know, interesting how that doesn't really seem to be part of the conversation anymore that you could do assembled parts mm-hmm. with all the solder and the adhesives and the sealants inside of it and you can coat the outside you can uv cure it and you don't expose the inside to those high temperatures so it's interesting that that's not really been part of the discussion we've had one project a long time ago i they were interested in coating um, you know hydraulic parts for uh aircraft and that's true, yeah it's like you can't just take this whole assembled part with all its fluids and gaskets and um all that sort of stuff and stick it in an oven for 45 minutes
1: yep You know, people have talked about using it for shock absorbers, Mm -hmm. you know, assembled shock absorbers. Um, Actually, in those 1990s, a company making automotive radiators switched over to UV curable powder coatings. Mm -hmm. And these were fully assembled automotive radiators. And the key here was, you know, most of the substrate was metallic. You know, there's, you know, the fins and the tubes and everything. But the key here was they they wanted to use powder coating, but they couldn't use a conventional thermoset because the solder used mm-hmm. to assemble the uh, the radiator, uh, the core of the radiator. You know, the solder would start to melt if it was a traditional powder coating thermoset cure temperature. Um, yeah, they did that for a number of years. Uh, I don't think they're doing it anymore. There was another application, and this one was in France. I'm trying to think of the name of the company. But basically, it was um, vinyl flooring, mm. and it was it was on a continuous roll off, you know, web or or line of vinyl, and uh, the powder was applied, and it was melted and cured. Mm. Perfectly flat substrate, which made it easy not, not any corners or or uh, cavities for the UV light to uh, penetrate. So that was one of the successes. We had a project way back then where we were doing hardboard. This was this was for the whiteboards for for you know schools and and for mm-hmm. offices. But we um, we did a, a trial. We coated at least a hundred of these things one day, and it was UV curable white powder applied as these sheets were going by in a flat line. And then some infrared, and right after the infrared, there were a bank of UV lamps. Uh, these these were the old uh, uh, fusion uh, UV lamps, which is part of Reyes now, but it worked fine. Uh, just was one of those things where uh, we always talk about this. Companies may see a new technology as meeting their needs, not only the performance, but also the economic requirements. But they get cold feet. It's the old first adopter syndrome where they don't want to be the pioneer and have to figure out all the things that might go wrong that were unforeseen.
2: And I guess while you're talking about kind of the, you know, what are the the disadvantages, I'd say, you know, for flat parts going by on a flat line, you have a really good, you know, line of sight to every part that you're coding. Um, for really complicated 3D parts, that might be difficult to do with UV.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, just by its nature, UV-curable coatings and, you know, certainly UV-curable powders fall under this. Uh, clear coats are a lot easier to get full cure with the the ultraviolet light uh, as opposed to uh, certain colors. Mm-hmm. You've got a pigment, the pigment's either going to could reflect, diffuse, or absorb the UV, depending on the color and the UV, um, the UV wavelength. So it's a little bit more of a challenge for the formulator, but we've done clear coats, we've done whites, we've done black. Um, Metallics. We've done metallics, yeah, we've done so absolutely. And we've done them on all sorts of substrates. And, you know, we are a... A research lab, product development research lab. So we look at things like this mm-hmm. and we recognize the um, potential for this type of technology. Just a matter of getting it out there and, and getting first adopters to do some adopting, I think.
0: Yeah, you know, the 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 thing I
1: guess we should talk about a little bit is you know what is the future of UV curable powder coatings and this is one that I think I've learned through the years, you've got to be careful with the concept of if we build it, they will come, which would be a technology push rather than a market pull. Mm -hmm. I think people need to identify potential markets, and those people that are in those markets have to understand and, and, and be convinced of the potential. but. It's got to be something realistic, and then you know we can we can put the technology together and and meet their needs. And that per, from from that perspective, as opposed to building something and saying, "Hey, you guys want to buy this?"
2: Yeah, and that's you know, as technology guys, we look at something like this and we say, "Hey, that's really cool, and we should use this everywhere." But really, it's uh, the reality of the world is <laughs> that.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, and, and, and that being said, you know our, our good friends at DVUV and their sister company Keyland Polymer, they made a commitment, and they manufacture U They formulate and manufacture UV curable powder coatings, and they have an application line. Actually, a sister company, DVUV, and they're quite busy with their powder coating. MDF for a variety of different end uses and you, you know you could talk to those folks to learn more about it but they've proven that it's commercially viable and economic and and it, it does answer some needs for those specific end uses. Um, I think people should take a uh, take a new look at UV curable Powder Coatings and see if they fit into their future. Okay everyone before we go Let's fill you in on some upcoming events. Hey, friends, where are we going? To an
0: upcoming event.
2: All right, we'll just run through these. The uh, live China Coat has been canceled. They should be doing a virtual component, so keep an eye out for that. Coatings, Trends, and Technologies is coming up um, in September.
1: September 8th and 9th, and that's in Lombard, Illinois, uh, which is outside of Chicago.
2: Right, and FabTech is the 13th through 16th of September in Rosemont, Illinois. It's the same week as the European. All right, yeah, the European Coding Show decided not to do the in-person event again this year, so Uh, they they are doing a virtual conference. Though there should be all kinds of talks there.
1: Yeah, they've got a great lineup. They've got a powder coating session where there's six papers being delivered.
2: Yeah, and uh,
1: say about that. <clears throat> and don't forget, my friends, September 22nd and 23rd, uh, right here in our fair city of Columbus, Ohio, we will be holding live the Powder Coating Summit at the Hilton Polaris um, for details, You can find that at powdersummit.com.
2: The 27th through 29th of September, the Middle East Coating Show is happening at the Dubai International Convention and Exhibition Center in Dubai, UAE.
1: Okay, before we go, you can catch the Ask Joe Powder Q&A in print uh, in Powder Coated Tough Magazine, the flagship of the Powder Coating Institute, you can also find it in PPCJ, Polymer's Paint and Color Journal, with our good friends in the UK. And you can find it on the respective websites as well as uh, Paint Coatings Industry magazine under their Finishing Flash tab.
2: You can find us online at AskJoePowder.com. If you want to be the first to know when a new episode comes out, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. We're in the process of actually putting all of our episodes up there. So if you're if you prefer to listen to podcasts on YouTube, you'll be able to do that. Please subscribe to the channel. There's a Twitter account, aka Joe Powder. And if you want to submit a question, the email address is askjo at yahoo.com, or you can call and leave a message at country code one. 478-2-ASK-JOE It's 1-478-227-5563 This has been a production of ChemQuest Powder Coating Research. Our original music editing and sound effects are done by Nick Page Live through the ditches Laugh through the witches Love in the back of my Dragula <laughs> And keep
1: your powder dry my friends
0: Thank you for listening to the Astro Powder Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Gama. Gama's Optistar all in one control unit leads the industry with a design fusing electrostatics and power feed in one compact device. By combining the powder, injector, and control unit functionality into one device, you get the highest coating efficiency, fastest response times of powder output, and excellent cleaning performance. For more information, call 877 877- four three seven six seven seven one once again that's eight seven seven four three seven six seven seven one and be sure to mention ask joe sent me configure it feed it optimize it integrate it complete it with gama
2: yeah you've got to do the third solo from uh november rain okay i think that's a good one
1: You guys are dating
2: yourselves. (laughs) Or the second solo from LaGrange. (laughs)
1: I'll consider it.
2: But yeah, that's why I always liked ZZ Top, because they always have two guitar solos. They're the only band that's consistent like that.
1: (laughs) Were they different guys doing them? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know
2: anything about that band except there was a bearded the cool guy. beards. And,
1: and the guy whose name was Frank Beard didn't have a beard. <laughs> all right. We're wasting up valuable tape. <laughs> We're all going to get fired. Book.